0: You are listening to WTUZ Radio Podcast. Welcome to WTUZ Radio Podcast. I am your host, Rhonda. And today, uh, we're doing a follow-up on our series, Gateway to a New Economy. This is part uh, so if you caught a, uh, yesterday, a, a real quick recap, um, I was preparing for this particular podcast and I was listening to Fed, uh, Chairman Jerome Powell. He was testifying, uh, on, uh, actually this is the house subcommittee. Okay. So the uh, house subcommittee on, um, C19 pandemic response. So it was streamed live. Um, I wasn't able to catch it live. So yesterday uh, I was going back to listen to it to try to incorporate what they were talking about in that particular hearing into this update. And I had to wind up stopping and doing a uh, breaking news, because basically out the gate, after the introduction, um, one of the uh, gentlemen, uh, Scalise, uh, out the gate started talking about C-19 and the origins of it, yada, yada, yada. Uh, so if you're subscribed to us on YouTube via Truth Uncompromised, you could just check that out, the real quick five-minute. Explanation I gave, and I also uh, provided the link to uh, the particular hearing. So, we got a lot of stuff to cover today. Um, it seems like all at once stuff started jumping off. So, this is going to be a long one today. I'm warning you in advance, uh, unless I, I think it's going to be a long one. Okay, so with that said, let's start with. The just a high level recap on the house hearing yesterday with Fed Chairman Jerome Powell. Um, he was testifying on the C19 pandemic response. All right, so we're gonna get back to Scalise. I already told you that he opened up with um going into. The origins of C-19 and chow, I had to stop on that. So I'm not going to go back over that. But let's get on to the economic side of it. So Scalise goes into uh, the supply chain being strained. So he was basically saying that it's too much money chasing too few goods. That is... A disaster right there, uh, family, for inflation. Now, the too much money, of course, is coming from the Fed Reserve. Remember when we started this series, we broke down who the Fed Reserve really is, what their function really is. And let's always keep in mind, as you hear anything about the Fed Reserve Even when I'm speaking in this series, please do not forget that the Fed Reserve is a separate business entity from the U.S. government. So when I use the term that the Fed Reserve is the bookie, loaning out the money and setting the points on the payback, that's exactly what I mean, and I want you all to always keep that in mind, all right? So, Scalise said too much money, so meaning the um, money that the Fed Reserve is lending out is chasing too few goods, all right? So, what happens when you have shortages? Doesn't that make the price of those goods go up, so Scalise goes on to say that prices are up. Now, remember, when we started this series, I specifically said we already have hidden inflation. I specifically said that out the gate. We already have hidden inflation. And it's just a matter of time where they're going to have to publicly admit it, okay? Because in this first series, I did the breakdown of um, Fed Reserve uh, Powell giving a 60-minute interview. And we went through that interview line item by line item. And Powell was pretty much uh, giving the hint about the need to raise interest rates to combat inflation okay and he also talked about a lot of the risk in the economy so now here we are fast forward and you have the house hearing committee stating that prices are up housing is scarce it's taking longer to get appliances now I know this for a fact. Um I've had coworkers who um were either doing renovations or it was just time for new appliances and everything was on back order. All right? That was uh, some of that was last year and um a couple of others complained about it earlier this year. So I was holding out getting a washer and dryer, mainly for the fact that the new stuff is made so poorly. And I'm like, okay, I just can't take it anymore. Let's just break down and do it. Let me break down and do it. So I went to order, I ordered uh, my washer and dryer and the price, my mouth just about dropped. Number one, I could not find a price from uh five years ago just was't possible wasn't even double the price family it was triple the price actually 2.5 higher price. Now, factor into that I got um a little bit more fancy set. But even on the cheaper spectrum, I purposely checked and at a minimum the price of the appliance had doubled. And so my delivery date 3 weeks out. Yeah, 3 weeks out. Okay, so uh, Scalise's take on appliances taking longer—he's absolutely right. Um, I've heard others complain about it, and um, I've per- I'm personally experiencing it. So he also talked about the shortage in cars. All right, um, I've seen various news stories about people talking about um, there is a car shortage. And um, how the price of used cars are going out the roof. I mean, absolutely skyrocketing. Okay, so yeah, the the price of the used vehicles have skyrocketed. um, And what prompted me, I heard news stories about it, but I uh, yet again, I heard a co-worker saying that they went... And looked at the value of their current car and was like, whoa, okay, it's gone up in value. So, you know, they're like, man, if I had a backup car, I would literally sell this car and uh, keep it rolling. So I'm like, oh, okay, I, I heard those news stories. So sure enough, went to check. Uh, The value of my particular vehicle that I bought a couple years ago didn't go down in value at all. So that is inflation, family. Anybody that has ever bought a car, especially if you buy a new car, which I don't do because I'm cheap because it depreciates so drastically, I just can't see myself throwing money out the window like that. That's just me. I'm cheap. I'm going to wait two, three years. Um, But anyhow, you know that when you buy a new car from the time you drive it off the lot, it depreciates in value. And depending on the make and model of the car is how much that car will depreciate over time. Well, the opposite is happening and it's happening because of a shortage and both of what uh scalise is describing about the appliances and the shortage in cars uh not only is that about inflation but that's also about the supply chain and we're going to go over that a little bit more because that gets talked about in this particular house hearing as well uh, so Scalise goes on to say that uh, millions of unemployed workers and millions of vacant jobs. We we talked about this also in this series where folks are basically it they get paid more money being at home, and I'm I'm speaking on the service workers, so meaning uh the people in the that work in the restaurant industry. Or in lower wage jobs, um, and specifically when you get into minimum wage jobs, that because of the supplemental unemployment benefits that were being given out, the STEMIs. Now remember, all of that is based on the Fed Reserve, the bookie, giving out this extra money. And it ain't really given out because it has to be paid back. With points on it. But because of this extra stimulus, folks looked at what they were getting from not working versus working. And they're like, well, forget all of that. I'm going to stay at the crib. I get more by staying at the crib. All right. Um, So, Scalise is pointing out that it's millions of unemployed workers and millions of vacant jobs. Um, so he also went on to say uh later on, because he came back uh another time to put his little two cent on it, honey. He was really there for the mess. <laughs> he made some good points, uh, but it interesting none, nonetheless. So uh he went on to say later on in um this hearing that When they had a discussion with um, Sumner, he said, no, I'm sorry. He said Sumner warned of the Consumer Price Index um, is up at the 2008 levels, okay? So remember, the Consumer Price Index is directly tied to inflation. So that's just a fancy way of saying, what are you paying for the goods and the services that you are getting? That's just a fancy way of saying it. that's what consumer price index means. So <clears throat> he was saying that Sumner warned that the index is up since two thousand and eight. Okay, so we already know what two thousand and eight represent. That represented uh, the biggest economic collapse in history. Okay. And so, um, you know, he went on to say that goods being restricted because of C-19 shutting down the economy, meaning that production was halted in uh, producing goods, okay? So that is what caused shortages and it's factoring into uh, inflation, all right? And we should remember during C-19 when there was a shortage on toilet paper. um, There was shortage on meat, too. I want to say beef. Beef prices went up. I think the chicken was later down down the line. All right? Okay. Um, Now, interestingly enough, uh, he also talked about... um, No, this is me. He didn't talk about this. This is me. Um, here in Ohio, in the local Columbus market, they uh, last night they did a news story on that there is a threat of a gas shortage. So at the pump, the pump where you pump your gas, there is a, a threat of a shortage. And um, I literally filled up the day before on Monday and noticed, The uprise in the pump prices, which I had already been noticing them rise over the past couple months. Thank goodness I don't have to fill up as much, but I noticed it nonetheless. So yeah, the local news here put out a threat on gas shortages. All right, Um, so basically, Scalise was uh, summarizing his little points saying that he wants Biden to not pretty much take any more of the Fed's money. He said he wants Biden to take more spending off of the table if there's too much money in the system. Now, again, and just a reminder, if you don't know, Scalise is a Republican. So all of this whole hearing, make no mistake about it, I am far from being uh, green. I already know that this is the dog and pony show. This is the ruse that they put up with, um, you know, one particular political party doing one thing. Um, I already know it's a ruse. This is all one consorted effort to control the economy the way they want to control the economy, I understand that these hearings are disclosure. Now, they don't care what you really think about it. They're just using or call themselves manipulating universal law into saying, I did not coerce you into anything. I did not hide anything from you. These things were disclosed. There was no outraged about it. No one said anything about it. So silence equals acceptance. So make no mistake about it. When they are holding these hearings, When you have uh, the Fed Reserve get on uh, programs like 60 Minutes and lay everything out, that is public disclosure. They don't care whether or not you like it or accept it, any of that. It's just disclosure. They're using esoteric universal law. They're manipulating it a lot bit. Using esoteric universal law that you have to do disclosure, okay? That's what they're doing. All right, so with uh, Scalise talking about he wants Biden to take money off the uh, table, he doesn't want any more uh, spending because there's too much money in the system. I had done said that months ago, months ago. And anybody that has rocked with me for years, I've talked about that for years, how uh, the Fed, which is, again, let's be clear what the Fed is. They are a separate entity, and agency from the United States government that they are uh, basically loaning out money for points. All right. So uh, here was Powell's, Treasury Secretary Powell's response. And also, I want you all to keep in mind, in one of the episodes of this series, I also stated, let's be clear. This has nothing to do with what Powell is doing. Because he's a separate entity from the United States corporation mask as a government. His best interest is not the United States government nor the American people. His best interest is his bosses because he's the bookie. Loaning out the loans and getting Points paid back on that. That is his first priority. The ones responsible in this equation are the elected officials who sign off on collecting the money or taking the money and paying the points back through your labor. But make no mistake about it, this entire system is a debt system that is backed by the people's labor, i.e. energy. That is the esoteric side of things. All right? So even with these players, meaning the Treasury Secretary, uh, the U.S. government, and the the politicians, they're all playing a specific role on the chessboard, but the entire chessboard is a system. Even the queen, which is the most powerful piece on that board, takes orders from someone else, someone, something else. Okay, so I want you always to keep in mind that although I'm breaking this down on the economic side of things, kind of giving you what they're really talking about, um, because some of the things they talk in code, some of the things they're really direct, putting it into terms on what it really means in the economy, do not think for one minute that I do not understand what the true game is. Because see, I don't move on the chessboard. I watch from above. So I understand the movements and I watch from above. So always keep that in mind. It is an entire system that is one. And each piece on the board has their particular role in the game, but it's still one game controlled by something. All right, so here's uh, Treasury Secretary Powell's response. He basically was saying that uh, jobs in the service sector, which we talked about it, Um, the service sector staying at the crib. They're like, I'm getting more money, sitting at home, then going back to work. But uh, Treasury Secretary Powell said the jobs are still low in the service sector, which impacts, um, he said, African-Americans, of course, and Hispanics. All right. So remember when they talk about the service sector, And low jobs and you hear um, congressmen and House representatives and politicians in general talk about uh, folks staying at home or that's that's the Republican side. They're going to talk about folks staying at home because they're getting paid more money and you're going to hear the Democrats uh, talk about how this particular group needs the help. That's why um, there's so much money that they are supporting these programs, these unemployment programs, and the need to raise minimum wage, yada, yada, yada. I am telling you, consider this a heads up. This is still just code for these low-wage jobs going away because they are going to usher in the robotics and the universal basic income will be rolled in it's gonna have to be rolled in and we're talking millions of jobs will be lost okay so well, we'll let me keep on but I want you all when you hear those terms about them talking about um problems in the low-wage jobs in the service sector, always remember robotics, always remember them issuing universal basic income, and uh, some states have already, in the U.S., uh, Some not states, some cities have already started testing universal basic income, but this whole Unemployment, the extra boost in unemployment benefits during C-19, you best believe, trust and believe that is a testing ground. And based on what they have witnessed, they have proved the point that if you give a certain amount of income per month to people in the service sector jobs, that they'll stay at home. So meaning the robotics can be ushered in and now they essentially have a number, a dollar amount number associated to accommodate people in the low wage service sector jobs. And mark my word, that's what universal basic income will be based on, okay? Only catch is if inflation keeps going up, meaning the cost of your food and all of that, it's gonna eat away at that set universal basic income. But that is what it is. All right, so just keep that in mind, family. Okay, so uh Secretary Powell also he confirmed about the supply chain being all messed up. And <clears throat> That caused inflation to creep on up. But, of course, he said once that's cleared up, inflation should get under control. So he calls that supply chain transitory, so pretty much meaning temporary, okay? But, again, what he's not saying, but we know, what about all that free money? Well, folks think that it's free. What about all of that lending you've been doing, Bookie? What about that inflationary uh, cost or association? All right. But that he's not going to come out and say. All right. And then, of course, uh, throughout this whole hearing, they because uh, the hearing is, and to be fair to them, the hearing is about uh, the C-19 response uh so throughout it they're going to discuss the impact of the vax so um he also was saying that uh inflation would get under control also as more vax are picked uh as more vax are issued you know what yeah whatever we all know what that is um i don't need to go into any detail to be um, censored via YouTube okay oh but he did say uh, which shows you how much this all uh, it's really one same agenda now this is Secretary Powell he also says that the pace of the vax have slowed up and new strains of the virus exist That will impact the economy. Mm -hmm. Remember, that was also what he said in his 60-minute interview, not regarding the new strains. The new strains is what I've been hearing them talk about over the past couple weeks in the media. But he made it clear that one of the risks for the economy recovering was uh, C-19, Um, not getting under control. So he just wanted to state again, throwing it in there. So y'all get how this goes, how basically it's all still the same agenda. And that's why you have to really pay attention and put your discernment cap on and you can read through what they're really saying and what the true agenda really is. All right, so um, Secretary uh, um, Fed Chairman Powell also goes on to talk about how the municipalities, uh, so that's your local government family, how they have been, you know, had they so-and-so hand out. Of course, he didn't say that. That's my... um, Spin on it, but he was saying the municipality has uh have record borrowing (coughs) because of the fed's lending policy, right? So, just again, keep in mind what the fed's true role is they are a separate entity, they are not a government entity, they are a private entity. The fed's job is to make money for the boss or the bosses. And they make money by lending money and setting the points that need to be paid back. Okay. So not only do you have um, Congress now at the federal U S corporation government level, Uh, Borrowing this money that has to be paid back with the people's labor. You also have uh, local municipalities doing it. All right. So um, he did once again reiterate, which this kind of shocked me a little bit. But again, this is disclosure. This is disclosure. Disclosure. Uh, Paul goes on to say that real income at the lower end of the spectrum has stagnated as relative to the top income earners. So in other words, you got the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer. That's pretty much what that means. All right. Now, that ain't something you have to tell the average person that's scratching and surviving. That's coming up out of blood's mouth. then he goes on to say mobility across incomes have declined in the United States. Ouch. So again, that's com- confirming all of uh, those that really do their due diligence and really tell the truth about the economy. That really have been giving you all the receipts, the decline of the American middle, middle class. Here you have this is the bookie now. This the bookie now. Let's be clear. This is the bookie telling you this. Not the United States corporation government with your local politicians them, whom they supposed to be the ones saying this, right? Because they supposed to be quote quote elected by the people for the people, all of that crap. And have your best interest at heart. But yet it takes the bookie. To tell the true state. Of what's going on in the Americas. And then he goes on to say that. um, And now. The United States lags most of other world economies. I'll repeat that. And now the United States lags most of other world economies. These things hold us back as an economy. These things are in scope for us to analyze and call out. Oh, okay. This is the bookie saying that. This is huge disclosure. Huge disclosure. So um, just a real another quick piece on Scalise. He had uh, said pretty much that the unemployment policies by the government has caused inflation because folks are not going back to work. Okay, so just another one on that. Um, He's a Republican. He came out the gate swinging. Um, And again, I know because i looked at the entire board, the entire game, that uh that's his form of disclosure on what's really going on all right so uh another republican house person named foster was saying um that he has never seen anything like this where folks are not going back to work we are paying people not to go to work He's not seen this in the 26 years he's been in politics. Employers can't find people to work. And of course, he is blaming the Democratic policies. But again, I understand the game. This is just disclosure to the populace. All right. Um, So and he's correct. Absolutely, he's correct. Um, in one of the uh, probably in a couple of the um episodes of this series, I talked about um, where one McDonald's was paying people, honey, to come on interviews. All right, so yes, he's absolutely right. So, uh, now I don't know if this was Foster, y'all, so don't quote me on this. I don't think this was fostered. I'm not sure. This is where it gets good for you digital currency folks. And when I talk about that economic reset, and uh, which is, make no mistake about it, it is tied to a esoteric reset because of the Earth's frequency. All right? Uh, But those that are familiar with the digital dollar situation. Somebody, I don't know. I don't think it was, uh, what's this dude's name? Foster, uh, forgive me. I thought I had Roe blood's name down. So they spoke on the Fed digital dollar slash secure digital ID. And so this particular uh, house member was saying, that this secure digital uh, digital ID that prevents identity theft that allows uh, folks to safely participate in the economy. So this particular house person started out by saying access to the internet. Uh, being able to uh, have the with the feds doing a digital dollar, uh, doing a secure digital ID, That prevents identity theft and allows folks to safely participate in the economy. This is cold, child, for totally going digital via the currency. So I'm going to keep going with what old boy was saying. He also stated that folks would need that secure digital ID in order to be able to participate in transactions via a digital dollar he also add uh asked secretary um I mean uh Fed chairman Powell are you working internationally to get these digital IDs as part of your negotiation on central bank currencies uh-huh uh-huh I mean it can't get no more clearer to that that they are going to a digital dollar all the way or digital currency all the way up to the um, Fed Reserve banks, the central banks, okay? We have been telling you this definitely during this series and anybody that's been rocking with me for a period of time, I have been telling you all this for years. That is part of the uh, financial reset of the house because the dollar is essentially dead. So I would even go as far as to say, and I'll put on my conspiracy hat, I don't mind wearing that. As I said from the beginning, when C-19 was first talked about, that is going along with that is going to be an excuse to reset the financial system, all right. So, here we are, they're talking about it again. When um, Fed Chairman Powell did the 60 minute interview, he talked about it, and I've been bringing you updates where it's been talked about. I've been bringing you updates where other people around the world uh, have essentially started implementing and are using that system. So for him to say, are you working internationally to get these digital IDs as a part of your negotiation on central bank currencies? Says it, Enough for me, but Powell responded back. For he said, he stated what you are describing, we are not that far along. So, uh, this particular house uh, member said, asked if it would be addressed in the white paper this summer. Because remember, Fed Chairman Powell said that they're going to do a white paper on uh, central banks using digital currency. And remember I said, I'm going to be waiting for that white paper and I'm going to go through that and we going to go through that together. So, you know, I perked up when blood was like, oh, okay, so you're going to put all this in that white paper, right? Baby, let me tell you something. When that house uh, member asked if this would be addressed in the white paper this summer, Powell, it was a, it wasn't even like a, five-second pause. It was awkward. I saw it in his face. I felt it in his energy. It was an awkward pause. And he said, well, that's down the road. We probably will be. Okay, so that means y'all got that up in that paper. So, obviously, he was thrown back with blood talking about that white paper. But, uh, pal boo, uh... I know I'm waiting on it, so come on, boo. We know y'all finna produce it, and we finna be all over it. Now, those of you that uh, follow the uh, cryptocurrency markets, you know that they have taken a beating. So, uh, Bitcoin went from a high of 68000 per coin down to into the 30s. So it is more than uh, 50% drop. Um, and so you have all of these Bitcoin uh, gurus. So it's at 33, 33 and some change today. So you have all these Bitcoin gurus um, talking out the side of their neck, supposed gurus. And what surprised me, I heard some of them that's been rah on for Bitcoin for so long saying, sell, sell, I sold mine, blah, 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 this, then the third, one, two, three, four, five. Um, Again, I know it is what it is. I already knew this was the direction they were going for years. So all of this game, even with the crypto market being decimated, uh, dropping, that is basically folks cashing in. Basically, the big institutions that came in and ran them up, and they're cashing in. That basically what that means, okay? But make no mistake about it: uh, digital currency is not going anywhere. So all that's going to happen with the current crypto market, number one, they're going to wrap regulations around it, which I believe that was part of the uh, crash as well. <clears throat> To say, see, see, see how unstable it is. We need regulations, la 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 la. And then with the um, the fraud that happened, where somebody uh was did a cyber cybersecurity hack, and they wanted to be paid in Bitcoin. All of that is nothing but a ploy to justify wrapping around the regulations that they're going to wrap around uh crypto, um, you know, because they've already started it from the perspective of making sure people pay taxes on it. And uh, with that said, it's going to be a lot of those altcoins, which is just short for alternative coins, that are not going to make it. That are not going to make it. So, <clears throat> you know, if you're thinking about getting into crypto, um, of course, I can't tell you any financial advice. You have to do your due diligence. You have to understand how the market is moving, why it's moving, the way it's moving. Not only what these quote quote supposed gurus are telling you, which most of those crypto gurus, they're not going behind the scenes looking at Fed policies and all of that. That's how I know they full of bull mess you have to do that due diligence because that is your money, that's your hard earned labor, okay? So if you're gonna dib and dabble in that particular space, do your due diligence, okay? So you won't lose your shirt, all right? But just note: a lot of those altcoins, most of them are not going to make it most of them so if you hear them talking about like uh dogecoin is one of them um i know a lot of people made good on it hey kudos to you they were smart to know that okay this is just in it for the run-up got in got out kept it moving i just heard someone the other day say that they lost i wish i would have got out when. and i'm like shit typical Fly-by-night investors get into something because they hear it, they don't watch it, and then they lose their shirt, okay? But at the end of the day, crypto is, it's here to stay. It's here to stay. Based on what the Fed already done said, based on the house person calling the Fed out again, it is here to stay, all right? Now, Let's be clear, on the esoteric side, this reset of this total economy from a paper currency to a digital is directly tied to the frequency associated with currency. Do you understand? Currency, frequency. The dollar has a currency or current or frequency. Mother Earth, who sets the ultimate frequency of this realm, hers is rising very, very high. Check and follow the Schumann resonance. It's been very, very high. Some are saying the highest on record. So the currency of the dollar, that frequency is no longer in lock step, it has lost steam with the current set of the frequency, and <clears throat> the um because Mother Earth's Schumann resonance resonance is rising rapidly, that is because of also she's ready to rise in frequency, do her thing. And it is associated with a cycle. And in this cycle, we're calling it Aquarian Age, which is associated with a golden era, all right? So these particular controllers, they know that very well. And in order to stay into power, because remember, these economies is ultimately about Controlling the people's labor, which is controlling your energy slash frequency. They have to keep up with as well. That's what resets are really about. It is about energy and frequency. This economy is no different. All right. And uh, this Thursday, I am going to go in a little bit more on reset uh, on the truth uncompromised show as we're doing the series on uh, consciousness because uh, I ran across I, I talked about it a little bit last Thursday and um, over the weekend got caught up on a couple programs and uh, so we're going to talk about the reset a little bit more this Thursday at uh, 7 p.m. so you can Tune in and chop it up with us uh live via YouTube. All right. So Pal, uh, the congressman also, not Congressman, uh the House person said and got I, I don't I couldn't catch dude's name. I tried to go back again and I couldn't catch his name. So he also said that it's important uh to respond to China's central bank currency. Because remember, China had already has their digital currency. Currency in place and he basically asked Powell to move up looking at he his his quote was move it up on his to-do list basically he's saying move up on his to-do list digital dollar slash secure digital id and uh central bank Digital currency. He asked him to move it up on his to-do list. Okay. So again, it can't get any clearer than that, family, that they are ushering in a digital currency across the board. All right. That is your financial economic reset, and it will be worldwide. Okay. So then um, another dude came in. I don't know who the heck he is, y'all. His name is Dr. Green. He basically spoke pretty candidly on how um, inflation is here and how the numbers prove it. And I'm just chuckling to myself because I done said that months ago that inflation was already here. But okay, but again, this is their form of disclosure. And so this particular Dr. Green said that he had basically asked Yellen about it because uh, remember now Yellen is uh, the treasury lady. They didn't brought her ass back out. <sighs> child, whatever. And so uh, he said that inflation is about at 4 to 5%. Now here's where it gets good, child. He asked about Russia dumping the dollar He's asking um, Fedman Chairman Powell. And Powell responded saying he's not concerned about that because the dollar is still the world reserves currency. Now, just to clear up what does world reserve currency mean. Y'all, that's just a fancy word for saying that all worldwide trade is settled in dollars. So it doesn't matter what currency your particular nation or country is on. If you trading with me, so example, we'll use Russia. um, Russia, I forget what their currency is, y'all. Damn, I forget. Anyway, if um, Russia is selling us goods, Um, everything, the transactions has to be in dollars. We're going to pay in dollars and we settle, they settle with with us in dollars, yada, yada, yada. That's all of what the world reserve currency mean. Now think about that. If the dollar going back up a few notches, if the dollar is going digital and the Fed Reserve is going digital, And he's working internationally to get the secured ID so transactions can go digital. That's once again confirming that everything's going digital. And sure, Powell is not concerned about the dollar being the world reserve currency because they're taking everything digital. All right. So the other thing that this Dr. Green asked was uh, if the government would be able to pay its bills. And of, again, of course, he is saying that because remember Fed Reserve Powell is the bookie and uh, his job is to lend out money for a certain amount of points. So this Dr. Green is a- asking pretty much, you know, these politicians are sitting up on their behind borrowing all this money, will the U.S. be able to pay the money back? Now, let's be clear. When they say the U.S., they're talking about the American people and their labor, i.e. your energy. Now, of course, Powell, at the end of the day, he's the bookie, he's the pusher man, You think the pusher man care whether or not somebody is strung out? Now, if they have a heart, they may um, care at a certain point if they've, you know, come to like you, whatever, whatever. But their main priority is not you, it's them. It's about their profits. So Powell says, yes, of course. Now, if anybody has looked at the US deficit, you already done know that there is no way that it can be paid back. The debt that is owed would be many, 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 many generations out. It cannot be paid back. So the only option would be to wipe the debt out or just keep putting that debt on generations, on future generations. Now remember, debt always equals payment in labor, which is i.e. your energy. So what we're talking about, family, is enslavement through labor energy for generations to generations to generations to come. What a hell of a business practice. So meaning from the Fed Reserve standpoint, the bookie, that means you always going to get paid. You always have an automatic built-in customer. So can you imagine that a father, uh, let's say back in the 70s, I'll start in the 70s, was a degenerate gambler. He ran up a tab so deep and he pledged that his sons would pay it his son's sons would pay it back and his son's sons would pay it back. And that particular bookie, because he has the muscle to do so, he like, okay, that's the agreement you want to sign. That's cool. Make note. I just keep killing your firstborn blood, but you're going to pay me, run me my ends. Okay. That's what debt is equal to in terms of labor and energy. So this Dr. Green also asked if higher inflation would be like it was in the seventies. So okay, you youngins, all right. I was a little, I was a little girl back then, youngins. So of course I don't remember this. I just only remember, um, not remember. I only can draw on um, documentaries and stuff. He's talking about back up in the 70s when inflation went really, really high and you had uh, gas shortages, people in line. So uh, Powell said no, because this is unique because of C-19, the shutdowns and the reopening, all right? So that was a summary family on the uh, Fed Chairman's uh, hearing, and let me get the exact name because I don't want to lie upon people, so you can go uh, listen to the thing in your entirety. Um, This was Fed Chairman Jerome Powell testifies on C-19 pandemic response. This came out yesterday. Uh, CNBC streamed it live so i'm assuming you can go directly either to their website or you can definitely go to youtube to pick it up all right so okay yeah i know that took an hour (sighs) chow i told y'all this was gonna be long bear with me we got a couple of other things to cover it shouldn't be that much longer but i do want to get this out because i want to give you a heads up here we go y'all And as I was preparing this, uh, Brother David had actually sent me something on this group. And um, I just so happened to have it in my things to talk about. So let's get into family, the groups, Blackstone. And then we're going to talk about Black Rock again. Let's get into Blackstone. Because the buzz behind the scenes is it's starting to come out mainstream. Yahoo News, this came out yesterday. It's talking about the Blackstone Group. And what's the title of this? Blackstone Group wants to be America's landlord again. The Blackstone Group was once America's largest landlord scooping up tens of thousands of single-family homes in the aftermath of the 2009 subprime mortgage crisis. Now it's coming back, but at a market peak instead of it at a market trough. Driving the news, Blackstone this morning announced that it will pay around $6 billion to purchase Home Partners of America, a Chicago-based owner of more than 17,000 single-family homes. Uh, It says HPA's model, that's that company, Home Partners of America, is rent to own, which lease agreements, including preset purchase prices that can be exercised with 30 days notice. The company obviously has a large portfolio of homes, but often makes purchases upon renter's request. Blackstone is said to have come into the deal via a bank-led process as HPA had been owned by a group of international institutional investors that include BlackRock and KKR. And we're going to get into BlackRock because I've talked about BlackRock before not in this series but those that rock with us on truth uncompromised we gave you the heads up on this BlackRock company oh child so they're going to give a, a history blackstone's first foray into single family homes was via invitation homes which eventually had 80,000 single family properties and went public in 2017 Blackstone exited uh, yeah exited invitation in 2019 and returned to the market in a small way last year via 240 million preferred stock investments in uh, Toronto listed Tricon residential thesis a source close to the deal says that Blackstone is basically, Betting on the continued supply and demand imbalance in the U.S. housing, which it doesn't see policymakers successfully addressing anytime soon. No, that's not what they're betting on. See, this is for the the slow motherfuckers in the back. (laughs) Either they slow, they, they yeah, they slow. And or they're trying to divert you. This is bigger than that family. Now, this is us, quote, quote, conspiracy theorists. We had called this game pretty early. We called it pretty early. They're basically going to control home ownership. Because if they're swooping up a bunch of properties right now, That tells me during this height and these prices being so high, that tell that which is also, mind you, contributing to high prices. That tells me that they want to want more renters versus homeowners. Okay. Housing will burst. It cannot be sustained, all right? So what's gonna happen is all they're gonna do once the bubble pop in housing, which it will, when interest rates rise, which they will have to rise, all they're gonna do is be there ready to rent out houses. They're just already gonna be ready. And in addition, they're going to swoop up like they did in 2008, swoop up the foreclosures. That's why when I told y'all in one of the um, episodes in this series that all you had to do back then, and I actually did it, because that 2008 stuff pissed me off so bad, I vowed to never be caught off guard like that again. I'm like, this is some bull crap. I need to know everything behind the scenes of what really happened. And that's what made me dig deeper into the financial sector and really learn it. And I literally was watching the Fannie, Freddie, and the HUD sites to the point where I would get up at midnight, watch them post- A block of foreclosures. And within five minutes, those blocks of foreclosures were bought out. I literally watched them do it. So these are the investors in these big conglomerate companies like BlackRock that are doing these things. Okay, make no mistake about it. This time, they being on a slick, 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 slick. They're helping to run up the prices by scooping up these homes and renting them out. And then telling people you can buy them with a 30-day notice. Well, hell, how the hell I'm going to be able to afford to buy this $300,000-something house? I can't afford that. okay. So they're getting it on the upside, and they're going to get it on the downside. Mark my words. So pay attention. All right. So this thesis—they're—they're they're incorrect, saying that this company, this big conglomerate company, thinks that the continued supply-demand imbalance in the U.S. housing is going to uh, continue. The firm is buying that HPA via a non-traded REIT, uh, which has a longer-term time horizon than its other investment vehicles. Um, And I'm sure they probably have in there too. If um, market price drops below da-da-da-da, that offer changes a little bit also. So anyway, in the short term, it also believes (coughs) HPA benefits from a model that can help aspiring homeowners ease their way into properties without having to engage in the current frenzy of all cash, no inspection offers. That part, I totally believe. Uh, They do have accurately, as I said, Blackstone this time around They are catching it on both sides of the spectrum. They're catching it on the high, swooping up these properties, putting the renters in it. And then they're going to catch it on the down when the bubble pops. They're going to go in and rebuy up stuff for pennies on the dollar. Um, Homeowners, yeah, that could be true that you can get in a house without having to pay all cash and bidding rewards is basically what they're saying with that last statement. Only catch is you still have to have the money and the credit in order to pay those high home prices, all right? So then it says, um, bottom line, uh, Blackstone's conviction in the upside for U.S. housing is apparently higher than the record prices being currently being held okay so this bass bottom a little bit of sorry this last statement with the bottom line of talking about the upside in the u.s housing prices is apparently higher than the record prices currently being paid i don't know maybe they aren't as dumb as i thought maybe they know that blackstone is catching it from both ends they're benefiting from both ends on the upswing And I'm telling you, they will be benefiting from the downswing. So now, let's get into, because I want y'all to understand the origins of of this stuff. Blackstone is said to have come into the deal via a bank-led process as the HPA had been owned by a group of institutional investors that included BlackRock. Baby, let's hit it. Talked about BlackRock before. Oh, did I close down my Black Rock thing? Doggone it. Hold on, family. I apologize for that. I got so much crap open. Um, Let me pull back up my Blackstone stuff. Uh, Black Rock, rather. This is important. We've talked about this before uh, on the Truth Uncompromised show. But I want y'all to remember this name. And uh, shout out to Sis Sandra. Uh, on the um, Truth Uncompromised show, one of uh, my co-hosts, because um, her and I ran across this information together. And uh, we were like, child, honey, it's really an associated video that a podcast put out regarding BlackRock and uh, that particular podcast. And of course, I cannot find it. Um, was talking about the power of this particular group. Not only the power of it, how much powerful it is, it talked about how BlackRock was going to start moving melanated CEOs into place to run these big companies as well. Uh, And in that particular podcast, they talked about of black uh, Blackrock behind the scenes buying important uh assets in the economy that was y'all last something year we was up on Blackrock all right so right now I am going to Wikipedia this is Blackrock you have to uh look it up under black rock as one word and it's going to be Blackrock Inc. BlackRock Inc. is an American multinational investment management corporation based in New York City, founded in 1998, I'm sorry, 1988, initially as a risk management and fixed income institutional asset manager. BlackRock is the world's largest asset management with over, check this out, y'all, $8 trillion in assets under management as of January, 2021. So let me just do a quick search. How large is the U.S. economy in dollars? I just want to do a quick search, family. Just a little quicky, quickie, quick. So what is it saying? Uh, I wanted a quick answer on Flake one. Okay, so it's saying 21, 21 trio, all right? So my quick search brought back that the uh, U.S. economy is 21 trio. This one company is eight trio? That's pretty damn large, family. BlackRock operates global, globally with 70 offices in 30 countries and clients in 100 companies. All right, so let's do a quick history. BlackRock was founded in 1988 by Larry Flint, Robert Capito, Susan Wagner, Barbara Novick, Ben Golip, Hugh Frater, Frey- Ralph Sloshenstein, and Keith Anderson to provide institutional clients with asset management services from a risk management perspective. Uh, So that group, Fink, Capito, Golob, and Novak, had first worked together at First Boston. Uh Uh-huh, that's a bank. Where Fink and his teams were pioneers in what? Hold up, wait a minute, mortgage back security market in the United States. During Fink's tenure, he had lost $100 million as head of First Boston. That experience was the motivation to develop what he and others considered to be excellent risk management and fiduciary practices. Initially, Fink sought funding for initial operating capital from Pete Peterson of the Blackstone Group. Y'all seeing these connections who believed in Fink's vision of a firm devoted to risk management. Peterson called it Blackstone Financial Management. In exchange for a 50% state in bond business, initially Blackstone gave Fink and his team $5,000,000 credit line within months the business had turned profitable and by 1989 the group's assets had quadrupled to 2.7 billion okay so <clears throat> this is exactly how we were breaking it down last year on uh one of the truth uncompromised episodes so you're trying to sit up here and convince me that an initial 5 million dollar investment in 88 has grown to 8 trillion that's what you fince to sit up in my face and lie to me with a straight face yeah blood and you're going to convince me that think who lost 100 million dollars as the head of First Boston, that blood from Blackstone Group tapped him on the shoulder and said, oh yeah, I'll invest $5 million in your um, financial risk management, asset management invention. Where they do that at? Where they do that at where you can lose $100 million from one company as the head over that, shake the dust off, and then somebody turn around as a powerful of a group as Blackstone is within itself, that you able to just shake off that 100 mil loss and somebody invests, give you startup money. Okay, then. And then all of a sudden, you was able to quadruple it from the initial $5 million credit line to $2.7 billion. The percent of stake owned by Blackstone also fell to 40% compared to Fink's staff. So where they do that at? How you finced to convince me that dude was just so brilliant that he was able to quadruple that investment like that where you had just failed with the little... A large failure at that—a hundred million. To me, that was all planned. Okay, so meaning he didn't build it a, based on his skill set and his knowledge. He was just put as the head of this new corporation, Black uh, BlackRock. This entity, he was just given that job as a manager. And the real movers and shakers and the powers, the one that ain't on that chessboard, I want y'all to keep up with me. The ones that ain't on that chessboard really moved the pieces on the board or ordered the queens and the kings to move the rest of the pieces on the board to generate those amount of assets and wealth. All right, so by 1992, Blackstone had a stake um, equating to about 35% of the company and Schwartzman and Fink were considered selling shares to the public. The firm adopted the name BlackRock in 1992 and by the end of that year, BlackRock was managing 17 billion in assets, all right? So we also talked about uh, when we first talked about this that black, the the uh, black rock, black stone, has an esoteric meaning. Okay, I want you to think about uh, the Muslim faith. What do they walk around paying homage to? Don't they walk around a black rock, the black cube? which some link to Saturn type energy, okay? So make no mistake about it. Even in the naming of these financial companies, there is an esoteric component to it. It has to be an esoteric component to it because at the end of the day, this is all about energy. All right, so... Um, the firm adopted the name BlackRock in 1992, and by the end of that year, BlackRock was managing $17 billion in assets. That's a huge jump, family. At the end of 1994, BlackRock was managing $53 billion. Do you all see these big jumps? In 1994, Blackstone Group, Stephen A. Swartzman and Fink had an international dispute over methods of compensation and over equity. So just real quick, those of us, uh, those of you that follow us on the series, uh, when we talk about uh, the true hidden history, when we talked about uh, who held the first seat of power in Europe and we talked about the black nobility and out of that series, we learned that Swartz means black. I'm only pointing this out, not to say that this Stephen A. Swartzman is black. I'm only pointing out to you the origins of these surnames that folks carry to this day. And I still say, now this is just me with my conspiracy theorist hat, that the true power, the ones that control off the board, the ones that control the queen, the ones that appoint the queen on the board, they appoint the king on the board and give them the authority to appoint The rest of the pieces on the board, I still say that is the original black nobility bloodline. All right, so so they had uh, got up over into a dispute over equity. Fink wanted to share equities with new hires to lure talent from banks, unlike Swartzman, who did not want to further lower Blackstone's stake. They agreed to part ways, so the Black uh, Rock Partners, Sue Wagner, or- orchestrated a deal to sell part of the company. In June 1994, Blackstone sold a mortgage security unit with $23 billion in assets to PNC Bank for uh, $240 mil. <coughs> the unit had traded mortgages and other fixed income acts, assets, and during the sale process, the unit changed his name from Blackstone Financial Management to BlackRock Financial Management. Swartzman remained with Blackstone while Fink went to become chairman and CEO of BlackRock. In 1998, PNC's equity, liquidity, and mutual fund activities were merged into BlackRock. All right, so... Just to refresh your memory while I'm going over this, remember the article, Yahoo article said, Blackstone Group wants to be America's landlord. And remember, it said that um, Blackstone, basically, I'm trying to find it, (laughs) y'all. Blackstone was tied or has its ties With BlackRock. Um, Here it is. Blackstone is said to have come into the deal via a bank-led process as HPA had been owned by a group of financial investors that include BlackRock. Do you see how these folks are connected? They control it all. They just put different head figures, CEOs, what they're calling CEOs or founders as the head of these organizations. But I am telling you, they're not running it. They are taking orders. And these particular asset companies, whatever the case may be, is all tied back to those original bloodlines that you going to pay the ends, those bloodlines that has colonized the world and are benefiting from resources. All right, so I'm just going to do uh, maybe two more of these paragraphs. And um, I don't know if I need to read this whole thing. All right, so let's go to 1999 to 2009. BlackRock went public in 1999 at $14 a share on the New York Stock Exchange. By the end of 1999, BlackRock was managing $165 billion in assets. BlackRock grew both organically and by acquisition in August uh, 2004. BlackRock made its First major acquisition, buying State Street Research and Management Holding Company, SSRM, from MetLife for $325 million in cash and $50 million in stock. Uh, Let's see. Okay, I don't give a damn about that. All right. Um, I'm trying to give you all some of the names. Black Rock Rock merged with Merrill Lynch Investment Management in 2006. Are you all seeing how all of this stuff connects? Now, just a quick search. What is BlackRock's stock trading at today? Uh, BlackRock stock trading today. Uh, I was just hoping it would give me something. So... Uh, I see nine. Nope, nope, nope. Let me go down. Okay, I'm seeing it's between because I didn't go directly to the ticker. Y'all yeah. um, between eight hundred and eighty dollars um, with a high projection of a hundred one thousand and five dollars per share. So that's from fourteen dollars up to 900. Now, if you got the inside, if you really knew what BlackRock really was as an investor, wouldn't you have loaded up at $14 a share? And you would definitely be a millionaire today. And if you really had some, uh, money to put into it so do you get the patterns that i'm trying to show you how this is all connected and how folks are able to keep making out good on the market so again if you're gonna dibble and dabble in these things meaning the market That's the type of research, this is the type of research family you have to do. All right, so let's go on. The U.S. government contracted with BlackRock to help resolve the fallout, oh, looky, looky, looky here, of the financial meltdown of 2008. Are y'all understanding these connections? According to Vanity Fair, the financial establishment in Washington and on Wall Street believed BlackRock was the best choice for the job. Oh, did they really not? Did Washington and Wall Street feel that? Or was it the queen and the king who takes their orders from the true com- controllers that's on the board, tell them uh you gonna have BlackRock do XYZ. The Fed Reserve. Are y'all getting these connections, family? The Fed Reserve allowed BlackRock to superintend the $130 billion debt settlement of Bear Stearns and AIG. Boom. Do you all understand that it is all connected? Do you understand how powerful this company BlackRock is? Do you now get the connection? This is the second time BlackRock has been involved regarding housing. So, you mean to tell me BlackRock was involved with debt settlement for Bear Stearns, which went bust, and AIG, or did Bear Stearns go bust? Um, Yeah, it did. It was sold to J.P. Morgan. Okay, shit, I had it right, because Lehman Brothers was the one. They said, fuck y'all, Lehman Brothers. I, we not... Uh, Y'all just fenced to go up out of business. And AIG. AIG was the one, just to refresh y'all memory, during the 2008 financial meltdown, they were the ones that were going to pay out the bet against the housing market crashing. And they took on so many bets that they had to be bailed out because it impacted the world. So I'm going to say again, do you all understand the connection that all of these things have with each other and how it's all one in the same, a controlled system? Now, here we have BlackRock was in the mix, baby, back in 2008. So now the group Blackstone, now you understand the connection between Blackstone and BlackRock. BlackRock is a spinoff on Blackstone. Blackstone is buying up blocks of housing. And see, because I know how to do my research... I understand what time it is. It's the same people playing the same games, doing the same controlling. And as I stated, when I was reading through the Blackstone group stuff, I told you they're going to make money on that front end. They're going to make money right now, which they didn't do it during the 2008 crash, and they're going to make it on the down end, right? Right? This is why it is important, family, to do your additional research. Now, these supposed gurus running around talking that ish, I ain't heard them talk about none of this. Now, my little old channel, I'm telling you all, make the connections. All right? 2009, BlackRock first, uh, Became the number one asset management manager worldwide in April 2009. BlackRock acquired R3 Capital and took control of the 1, uh, $1. 1.5 billion funds. On uh, June 12, 2009, Barclays, Barclays sold its global investment unit, which included its exchange-traded uh, fund business I share to BlackRock for $13.5 billion through the year, through the deal, Barclay, clay sorry, attained a near negative 20% stake in BlackRock. Okay. So um, just once again, just showing you how these companies are all connected together. These CEOs are taking orders, Hunty. They're being put in those positions. And when they say sell, when their handlers tell them to sell, move this way, move that way, that's the way they better damn do it. All right, so yeah, I'm forced to read this whole thing because Hunty, it's got some hot tea up in here. Now, this is Wikipedia, y'all. <laughs> So from 2010 uh, to 2019 and 2010, Ralph um, Schoestein, the CEO of Evercore Partners, and a Black, BlackRock founder called BlackRock the most influential financial institution of the, in the world. Uh, yeah, you think not? On April 11th, I'm sorry, on the 1st of April, 2001, due to uh, Sanovi's acquisition of uh, Genzeem, BlackRock replaced it on the S&P 500. In 2013, Fortune listed BlackRock on its annual list of world's 50 most admired companies. So do y'all understand all of the moving and the shaking BlackRock have been doing since 1988, going from a $5 million investment, initial investment, to jump it to $2.7 billion, then to hundreds of uh, millions, then buying up companies, woo-da, woo-da, woo-da. Then in the 2008 crisis was able to uh, come to the table and put down big money, baby. 130 billion debt settlement for Bear Stearns and AIG. Do you all understand all that moving and shaking That BlackRock was doing. And then it took them until 2013. Fortune. Fortune. Let's be clear. Fortune Magazine. Which is getting down to the public level. To mention it. As one of the most 50 admired companies. So by that time. If you looking as an investor to get in. Shit. You getting in on the upswing. Do you understand how they are working these markets? How these people are appointed to the head or the CEO of these companies? It is all one system. All right, so in uh, 2014, the Economist said that BlackRock's $4, 12, 4 trillion under management made it to the world's biggest asset manager. And it was larger than the world's largest bank the Industrial and Com- Commercial Bank of China with three trillion. So basically larger than China, y'all. In May of the same year, BlackRock invested in snap deal okay? <clears throat> and make no mistake about it, y'all. Even China's economy, Russia, all of them. All it is, y'all, is just being controlled by one of the five families who not own a chessboard. Make no mistake about it, all right? In December of 2014, a BlackRock managing director in London was banned by the British Financial Conduct Authority for failing to fit improper tests. Uh, and he paid uh, 43,000 pounds to avoid prosecution for dodging train fares BlackRock said, okay, yeah, whatever the hell. At the end of 2014, the so- Sovereign Wealth Fund Institute reported that 65% of BlackRock's asset assets under management were made up of institutional investors. Institutional investors family is an entity which pools money to purchase securities, real property, real property, and other investment assets or originating loans. They include commercial banks, central banks, central banks, credit unions, government-linked companies, insurers, pension funds, and sovereign wealth funds. Let's go over sovereign wealth funds. What's that is? Um, It's a global corporation analyzing public asset owners such as, well, sovereign wealth is really what I wanted to say. Sovereign wealth is really family public um, assets. So we're talking um, water, ports, minerals, minings. Do you all understand what I am telling you? How powerful this company is, how it has its hands in everything. All right. So uh, by June of 2015, BlackRock had used uh, 4.7 trillion assets under management. It had rather. Sorry about that. On August 26, 2015, BlackRock entered into a definitive agreement to acquire Future Advisor, a digital wealth manager provider with reported assets of $600 million. Um Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care about that. All right, so what else? I'm trying to pick through the good stuff, y'all. Um, in March 2017, the Financial Times announced that BlackRock, after a six month Review led by Mark Wiseman had initiated a restructuring of its eight billion actively managed fund business, resulting in departure of seven portfolio managers and twenty-five million charge in Q two. So basically, they dumped some stuff, replacing certain funds with uh, quantitative investment strategies in May twenty seventeen. BlackRock increased its stake in both CRH. Okay, and that's CRH is in Dublin, Dublin, Ireland, Manufacturing and Supplies, and Bank of Ireland. Told you, got the hands in everything. By April 2017, iShares business accounted for 1.4 trillion or 26%. Let's see what the hell this iShares is iShares is a collection of exchange-traded funds, ETFs, managed by uh, BlackRock, which acquired a brand and business from Barclays. Told y'all. Well, yeah, we read that earlier, but they're all connected. The first iShares, okay, we're not going to go there, but that's what that is. Okay, so that accounted for $1.4 trillion, or 26% of BlackRock's total assets under management. Okay. So do y'all understand when Barclays was tapped on the shoulder, the CEO was tapped on the shoulder and said, I need you to sell this part of your business to BlackRock. And you see how much it's accounted for in their portfolio. All of this stuff is controlled by the folks that are not on the board, which are the head of the five family. And everybody else takes their marching orders. Um. So BlackRock, in April 2017, BlackRock backed the inclusive of mainland Chinese shares of MSCI Global Index for the first time. See, I ain't got the lie, Craig. I ain't got the to lie. Told y'all it's all connected. So they want to make it seem like, you know, China's against, um the u.s russia is against the u.s yeah okay then oh okay so you say um as of 2019 blackrock holds 4.81 of deutsche bank and it's the largest shareholders and that goes back they said that investment goes back to 2016 in 2019, BlackRock received criticism from, for the environmental impact of its holdings. It counted among the top three shareholders in every oil. See, I want y'all to... I ain't got to lie, Craig. I ain't got to lie. This is why I want y'all to remember this name, BlackRock. I want you to start your antennas to go up when you hear any piece of news of this company So now hopefully you understand how powerful it is and how widespread its tentacles stretch. It is counted among the top three shareholders in every oil super major except total. And it's among the top 10 shareholders in seven of the 10 biggest coal producers. They got their hand in everything. In everything. 2020. In his 2020 open letter. CEO Fink. Now remember y'all. Remember to show you how cold. They pimp game is. And this is why it's important for you to do your own research. So they finna sit up and try to convince moi. That Fink. Who had lost a hundred million. At the Boston Bank. He now has. Has. Been the brains behind a $8 conglomerate company? Yeah, okay then. Uh, Finks uh, l- announced environmental sustainability as core goal for BlackRock's future investment decisions. BlackRock's, BlackRock disco- disclosed plans to sell $500 million in coal investments. Now, uh, uh, let me just tell you how strong this pimp game is. Cole been on the way out. And if we want to keep it real, 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 now I don't have no proof. This is just me. I don't even think that Cole was used as widely and was used as widely as they claimed. Okay, because I saw something where if they're using the amount of coal that they claim that they are they are using, that they would have been out of coal across the planet. Uh when did they say? I want to say either the 70s or 80s. Which means, now of course I don't have no proof on this. I don't have a proof. It's just been my spidey senses that they have already been using free energy for quite some time, using it by uh, pulling it from the environment from a frequency standpoint, but telling you it's cold energy. And in addition to that, put all what I just said aside, That's because that's just me, I don't have no proof of that, no concrete, tangible proof, okay? That's just the conspiracy theorist in me, all right? You can put that aside. But BlackRock disclosed plans to sell U.S. $5 million in coal. Well, we already know that the economy was moving from an oil base to um self-sustaining energy okay we already had done known that years ago I gave y'all a heads up of JP Morgan Chase and a couple of the other big hitters and you know make no mistake about it those big hitters are appointed into those positions by the king and Queen on the board they had already had sold their um investments in oil as the economy moves from a, quote, quote, oil slash dollar base over to digital. So even this whole ruse about them getting slapped on their hands and getting criticism from investments, dirty, cold, environmental investments, they they were already behind the scenes moving the economy Away from that anyway, so they ain't losing out on nothing, they had already pre planned this. You do you see how this stuff is all connected in March 2020? The Fed Reserve chose BlackRock to manage. I can't make this up, child, hallelujah! I'm glad I took the time to read this because, um, this was updated since the last time that um, I went over it. In 2020, uh, I'm sorry, in March 2020, the Federal Reserve chose BlackRock to manage two corporate bond buying programs in order to respond to C-19, the 500 billion primary market credit facility and secondary market corporate credit facility, as well as purchase by the Federal Reserve System of what? Of what? Commercial mortgage-backed securities guaranteed by government, National Mortgage Association, Federal National Mortgage Association, or Fed Home Loan Mortgage Corporation. Do you all understand the power of this company? Are you seeing the connection with the housing market? Okay. In August 2020, BlackRock received approval from who? Huh? Who? China Security Regulatory Commission to set up a mutual fund business in the country. Oh, yeah. I thought China was the enemy of the U.S. Do you all see how this is connected? This makes BlackRock the first global asset manager to get consent from who? China to start operations. And then it just says it ends in 2020. PNC sold its stake in BlackRock. Okay? Okay. So keep your ears open when they talk about BlackRock. Now you should overstand how powerful this company is. Now anybody that are familiar with the Paysores, it would not shock me if the are running BlackRock or if it is a part of the holdings of the PASUR. Okay, so <clears throat> I hope that uh, this has helped you all um, and go to Wikipedia family. That's where I got this source. They gave a, 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 a hell of a thing. Um, it's very well written. But now, hopefully, you see the connections on the Black Rock. Hopefully, you see the connection on Blackstone buying up up all these houses um, and how that's really um, a connection with Black Rock. I know this was long, y'all. I'm sorry that it was so long. But, hey, I had a bunch of updates to give, y'all. So I hope that everyone is doing well today, family I wish you well, and uh, we will update you next time on this series, Gateway to a New Economy. Uh, This is WTUZ Radio Podcast, and I am your host, Rhonda. Peace and love.